RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Friday morning, this is Reality Check Radio, and I think for his third visit now to RCR from the other side of the planet, pretty sure he's in Dublin again, Ivor Cummins joins us. Ivor, welcome back to RCR, good to have you back. Great stuff, Paul, yeah, delighted to be here. Okay, Um, I think we could probably go for hours on this if we wanted to. Um, We've had the COVID thing, and we're kind of over that people want to move on now we've got the climate thing and that is really coming in on turbo i would say compared to COVID. am i right do you think that's what's happening here yeah paul it's it's astonishing really well nothing is astonishing really after COVID, but it is incredible uh the way it's been switched on so we had COVID, then we had Ukraine, the USA, NATO proxy war, a very sad war, uh, but still we know very who sad. the instigators yeah. are. Um, and then on the back of that, climate came in and it's wall to wall here on in the West. And I think the same over New Zealand, Australia, uh, constant articles, constant news items, uh, weather charts changing color as we speak. Uh, the old color coding. The old color coding yeah. trick, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and recently I even saw a, an absolute classic. So they got up to putting red that used to be yellow. That's that's one thing. But recently I saw they're putting black in even more frightening. Oh, black. Black in certain zones. Yeah. Black looks even worse, right? You're like dark <laughs> clouds, right? Yeah, well, it's these red heat maps across Europe with perfectly normal temperatures seen many times over the last couple of centuries. But now the hottest zones are red going into a black color. And they just look, uh, frankly, they look like, you know, Armageddon type. That's the impression you get. And that's intentional, of course. So people like yourself and someone like me, I can tell you, spots that and i'm not trying to be smart about it but it's obvious you can spot that a mile off you know exactly what's going on what they are trying to do what about the average joe blow though if there is such- yeah that's a good question so the average joe in covid pretty much they were all 100 percent aware of it and most of them fell for it and that was obvious they even struck back against people in society who questioned it you know we lived through that The weather one is a bit different. I'm not picking up as much response from general public. The problem is people I uh, converse with now, of course, are mostly pretty awake to the Rockefeller plans from the 50s and and where all this is coming from. Uh, So I'm not as connected to ordinary people. And I haven't really been polling them on it yet, like I did with COVID. But I don't think it's having the same effect. People have many decades of being used to not really taking notice of the weather nonsense, broadly speaking. However, it's certainly rising. It's beginning to work on the population. Uh, I keep touch with groups who say that they are hearing people quote the latest media nonsense uh, and quote it in a positive light, i.e. believing it. So it's certainly beginning to instill this this fear in the population, but I think it's a longer, slower burn. But you know what? Uh, Repeating, repeating, repeating for a period of three or four months plus generally brainwashes an average human. So it is very dangerous. Uh, They're going to get, get there if they keep at it, I'd say. Okay, so they're in this phase now. Uh, What comes after... What's the next move, do you think? 
Well, the next move, of course, as always, as it was with a certain uh, Monsieur Hitler uh, during the 1930s and 40s, you change the laws. So the laws are changing now as we speak. And uh, a certain Mr. Hitler, uh, way back in the 1930s, and many others uh, who were bringing in kind of totalitarian systems, they always change the law so that everything that's done is within the law. Uh, and they also tend to tell you uh, so that everything that happens when people begin to get encroached upon, uh, they say, well, you know, we we agreed this years ago. Your politicians agreed this in the European Parliament or the Commission. Yeah. So that's what's happening at the moment. We see it with hate speech. We see it with the net zero goals, uh, the sustainability goals. At the goals for diversity and inclusion, which are all designed around undermining society and breaking up kind of nationalism, culture, history. Uh, you've seen all those rolling out. So all these laws are coming in and accords and agreements and what they're aiming towards. And they have said it like to massively reduce, you know, plane flights to phase out diesel and petrol cars and go to all electric, which is absurd. Right. So they're writing it all down and, and moving towards it. It's kind of impossible, but all they want to do is move further and further towards the average person being in a 15 minute city, uh, you know, with their stuff delivered and their their credit or their currency is central bank digital currency. And they can switch it off with the click of a mouse and just want to move everyone, the herd into that position boiling frog method, yeah, you know, step by step. And the, and the ultimate goal is to have everyone, as you say, 15-minute cities, Chinese-style social credit system, uh, using very little energy because the energy of the world and the resources are, of course, for the elites, for the people at the top. That's what they believe, not to be wasted by ordinary ants in the ant farm. The useless eaters. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear. Okay, but, you know, surely people push back at some point, though maybe the 30s example that you just mentioned and tell us that you've got to bomb people to oblivion sometimes before they get the message. Yeah, it, it's a challenge. Now, it's very different than that in terms of modern technology and ability to communicate uh, compared to those days. And also that country was in an absolute, you know, yep. terrible state. The hyper... Yeah. Yeah. So it is very different. But then we've seen the response to that is censorship and control of the media. Because we're all able to talk to each other, there's a huge danger. Of course, the people question stuff, talk to each other, and then you get a tipping point of 10 or 15% of people saying, hold on a minute, this is a scam. Um, and they know that. So they're controlling the message in an extreme sense. We saw that during COVID and it's still there. I'm still getting posts blocked on Facebook for referring to certain climate stuff. Um, so there, it, it's the kind of battle of our age. And yeah, we're, we're both racing to head each other off at the pass. So they are racing to get everything into law and lockdown and draconian backing that up with, with police forces and army when the time comes. Oh and we're racing to get enough people aware that we completely turn the cart over uh, before they get to the madness, the true madness. It's, it's a fascinating race. 
Yeah, it is a race, isn't it? Yeah, head, who who gets headed off at the pass? You were on a radio show recently, um, reasonable high profile one in Ireland. Tell us about that, and what did you talk about? How did that go down? Oh yeah, that was the Niall Boylan show. He's one of the most popular kind of radio jocks in Ireland. He's got a little trouble with the advertising setup in Ireland and the standards bodies during COVID because he told a lot of truth. He had great guests on, and uh, he wanted okay. me on to talk about the climate. So oh, okay. he 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 himself had put together a bunch of video clips of these absurd weather events being reported on breathlessly. Uh, and also the colored charts that have changed now to red. And also he picked up that in, uh, I forget which country, I think it, it could have been Sardinia or somewhere, uh, they had reported on 46 degrees Celsius. And it was actually around 27 or 28. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, it appears that they are now beginning to slightly use uh, ground temperatures Right. So ground temperatures in a very hot region are much higher than the air temperature, which is standard at six feet above uh, the surface. Obviously, you put a thermometer in the air. If you put it on the uh, trunk or the bonnet of your vehicle on a hot day, the thermometer is going to read different. Right. So it looks like they're beginning to do this, which is a complete scam. So he brought me on uh, to talk more generally So what I did in preparation, I'm pretty aware of the climate scam, but I looked up a couple of really good guys, distinguished professor of climate and atmospheric science in Alabama University. Uh, That's Professor John Brinkley and Professor Judith Curry, also an expert in climate, atmospheric and all that. And I said, I'm just going to quote from those guys to make sure I'm 100 percent not stretching beyond my my knowledge. And it's just astonishing to watch the interviews with them. I mean, Brinkley made it clear as crystal. The temperature has gone up in the world around 0.1 degrees per decade over the past 50 years. So a total of 0.5 degrees Celsius. And of course, nothing has happened. That has no meaning in in the planet. No one would ever notice that, right? impossible impossible to notice obviously but also he said to make something absolutely clear to people listening they have tracked back to the 1800s the 70s were a period of relatively low weather events it was a quiet period and the current experts in quotes are referring to now versus the 70s and it's no accident they picked the 70s He said, if they go back to the 1930s in America, way worse events, flooding, droughts, you know, uh, hurricanes, cyclones, no question, all on the historical record and the 1800s. Right. So he said there is no evidence. And another key thing for listeners, the IPCC, which is the UN slash Rockefeller climate panel, (laughs) even they in 2021 in their report, while gushing about increased fractions of a degree temperature and their modeling, right? You know, remember modeling in COVID? Yeah. Modeling, modeling. Yeah. yeah. Well, the IPCC themselves list out all the weather events and basically catalog that there is no evidence worthy of the name that any weather events had any connection to man-made global warming or otherwise. The IPCC themselves know that that's a complete lie. 
And yet here we are. Everyone is referring to weather events. That's really interesting, you know, because we've had a couple of serious weather events lately and our um, one of the climate research institutions, government institutions, was, um, you know, um, sounding the alarm of, of worse weather events um, due to man-made climate change. And they didn't use any stats before 1978. So there's that 70s thing again. Yeah. So I wonder if this is, I mean, how come these people are always doing the same thing no matter where they are? Yeah, now that's that's the thing. I went through COVID and I did a video to help people understand this phenomenon. So I explained that there's a big engine and a small engine, but the small engine driving these things is the important one. So the big engine is just, in this case, is the media are always looking for sensation. So they automatically exaggerate what experts say, and they automatically talk about doom and catastrophe because that sells. This is a, the, as old as humanity. Yeah. So this, we've got this huge engine where all over the world, the media are amplifying massively this nonsense. But the real key engine is the little engine, but very powerful. And that is basically the agenda, the narrative that's injected into our world that the media then feed off like, like pigs at a trough. And that injected media, very simply put, goes back in the 1950s, Rockefeller Brothers Fund and their special studies project in connection with the Trilateral Commission and uh, other bodies they had set up and think tanks and brain trusts with top people in them. They had whiteboarded that pandemics and climate disaster were the two most likely best strategies to get people across the world on board with a kind of a one world government and a more authoritarian, authoritarian tops-down uh, power structure. And they were very clear on that. Before any scientists got in on it, the big rich guys, right, sat down and identified these two things. And here we are. So it's a long story, but through the Club of Rome, uh, kind of a super rich guys, a think tank on climate disaster and population limits, uh, and then through to the UN World Economic Forum, the IPCC set up in the 90s, the Rio uh, huge summit in 1992 with all of those guys, where they got 170 countries to sign up to uh, climate accords in the coming half century. And they all just clinked their glasses and said, wow, we are on the road. And they were. So they have produced, and there are myriad NGOs and millions of useful idiots, you know, in the public and activists. They have produced the narrative that the media now feeds on. And they clearly triggered, they triggered worldwide this thing, this latest thing, after COVID and Ukraine had somewhat quietened down. And you only have to look, Paul, and I'm sure you've seen the clip of Project Veritas in the US with a hidden camera, got yeah. a top CNN uh, official, got him on hidden camera and says, well, you know, what, what, what do you focus on now that COVID seems to have faded? And he went, oh, he says, uh, well, clearly uh, climate. He said, basically, we're going to be carpet bombing uh, with climate disaster for the next few years. And we're going to get more years out of this than COVID, I think. And he clearly said, this is what's coming down from the top. 
climate. That's where we're going. And yeah, here so, we are, we're carpet bombed. Yeah, I, I saw that. Um, I, though, I, you know, I wonder, is that someone, you know, caught um, on tape like that, speaking from just, you know, the um, catastrophization of news being a good strategy to sell clicks and, and papers? Or are these people, you know, are the CNN producers and uh, journalists and, you know, the hierarchy of that organization, do you think that they would be aware of the, they must be aware of the bigger picture. They must question why we're doing this, if it's not true, unless you completely buy in to the, you know, uh, what do they say, um, um, uh, disaster sells or whatever the line is in that song, Dirty Laundry. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's a great question, Paul. Uh, I'd say that, and it's similar in COVID broadly. So the rank and file are just running with what sells broadly and not really thinking. So business. People, yeah, it's a business. Yeah. But I would say the key thing is this executive in that interview, I managed people for 20 years and interviewed people. So I'm pretty adept at, at seeing intents behind what people say yeah. broadly. I'd say he didn't care. He simply is going with its business. He's a senior executive. This is where we're going. This is how we stay relevant. So for him, I, I wouldn't say he knew much. He didn't feel like to me that he knew much. Like Fauci, when he's talking, you know he's lying and you know he's saying what he's saying is lies, right? It's easy. Mm -hmm. So, But the CEOs and the top people in these corporations are all members of the World Economic Forum. And they will be aware of the greater strategic picture. So I'd say just like my corporate, uh, I worked for 20 years in one corporate, what came down from the new CEO, when the new CEO came in, suddenly everything changed. It all comes from the CEO and the VP layer. And then we in the management team and section heads, we implement it, even if very unpopular with the staff. We're the front end. And we don't really question it because it's not a democracy. It's a corporation. Yeah. So we just roll out the stuff because we need to get our salaries and our bonuses. And this is what the top brass want. So I think in all these organizations, the very top are members of the World Economic Forum, which has all the top corporations as paying members. And they are all being educated in what is required in world management. And they would accept it because they're brought off to Switzerland, to Davos. They're wined and dined with the most powerful people, presidents breezing in and out. Even Xi Ping was there last year, for God's yeah. sake. Yeah. So they're besotted with this, thinking, oh, my God, I'm I'm at the big boy's table. Yeah, I'm like, important. Nature. Yeah. And then they go back to their corporations and they're under no illusions as to what the big picture is and what's required. Then it rolls down through their organizations. And that's when you get more and more people simply going with with the strategy that comes from the top. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Veritas and a couple of the other um, uh, stings that he did, the guy from Pfizer, and there was uh, someone mm. else, the guy from BlackRock. They they were similar. They, they revealed what they were doing, but they didn't seem to have a conscience about it. It was like, oh, well, you know, you buy a politician, it's 10K, you know, okay. Um, and then there's that. And then... You know, the, the Pfizer guy, well, you know, could be affecting pregnant women. But, you know, um, you know, uh, you get that kind of moving on. They they didn't seem to have a conscience really about these things that came through anyway. No, and, and certainly in pharmaceutical, people with a conscience, you know, you're not going to get very far in pharmaceutical if you start having ethical questions about products. 
right? So there's a natural evolution, a selection of the uh, the most sociopathic, <laughs> the fittest. Yeah. And it happens as well. The people up at the top tend to be the least conscience uh, aware people from the herd. It's a natural evolution. Same with politicians. So look at our politicians now across the board, right? If if one of them got on the sole of your shoe, you'd you'd kind of wrinkle your face and you'd you'd wipe it off. I mean, they're they're just shocking. Look at our Dern and the Irish lot. So fifty years ago, there were quite a few statesmen and stateswomen in politics. You know, people who really had a vision and, and wanted to change their country for the better. Um, but now that, that's gone because the natural evolution of the way the world has gone, only the snakes go into politics now. And they basically kind of excluded the good guys. And now it's full of snakes, self-interested, and they will do anything, absolutely anything for the UN where they go or Davos where they are brought. You know, they they know the top tables. There's no hidden conspiracy they go off, spend a few days, wined and dined, and they find out what the real people who run the world want. And they just go go back and deploy it. And they're rewarded for deploying it. Yeah, they want to be part of it and um, yeah. Yeah, and take the rewards. And I guess there's also an element of coercion too if you don't play ball. There would be, but I'd say that's less so. There's a lot of talk and there's probably truth in it that pe- people have stuff on other people. Yeah. But I'd say mostly it's just be with the winning team. And, you know, you go off to these huge conferences, massive wealth and power in, in Europe or at, at the WEF or any of these uh, organizations. They're the top strata, international bodies. And you go there and you hobnob and mix and you see huge figures. And as I say, presidential level people walking past in the corridor. How does that feel, Paul? You're special. It feels like yeah. You're part of yeah. the big team. And, and yeah. you just buy, you buy in, you buy into the stuff. And sell your soul at the same time, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because they're politicians, right? So they have no standards in the first place. <laughs> so that you're starting at that. And now you're getting them and giving them, you know, wealth and power, support, and a, a gentle hand on the shoulder, congratulating their latest policy and hate speech and what a great job it was. And it shows the world, you know, that the way to go. They, I mean, you can imagine their heart swelling in their chest that the top level people are actually you know, rewarding them and, and saying they're, they're calling great. me by my first name. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Powerful. And of course <laughs> you don't have to adhere to any of these rules really, because you know, no. you can jump on your private jet and go somewhere of and course. get out of the, out of the line of sight of people. How did your, um, when you gave them both barrels, I'm presuming you did on the radio, how did that go down? Oh, it, overwhelmingly, uh, or there's generally positive feedback. But again, his listenership now in general is, of course, very awake after his COVID coverage. So it's it's kind of biased. Uh, so it's hard to tell with the normies, uh, the response. Also on Twitter, where you yeah. get a lot of the chatter on the show, people on Twitter are relatively well-informed. So uh, it'd be interesting to see comments on the Irish national television if I'd said it there on their channel, you'd see probably a 50-50 big bun fight in the comments because 
the people who are following the national standard legacy media, uh, they're they're literally uh, you know blindsided and propagandized. Um, but the people following alternative media, of course, are fully informed. So yeah, yeah. Mm. but um, of course, the hate speech laws are coming for people like us, where you are, because <laughs> we've talked about that before, and also here it's starting to happen as well. I'm I'm wondering where um, all that is right now, Ivor. Yeah, in Ireland, they went for gold. The hate speech laws, and I think we talked last time, the wording even shocked me and other people in this kind of struggle. It is just incredible that that they wrote it. It's like, surely they'd go piece by piece boiling frog. How did they go for gold? But they did. They basically had it that currently the hate speech laws from, I think, 1987, there has to be incitement to some kind of violence or crime. There's a narrow kind of a definition of what hate is, and it is defined. And you need a commissioner of the police, a top level person to seek to have someone's material uh, kind of, you know, get a warrant to see it. Now they've written that any single a policeman at the lowest level, can initiate a search on someone's house if they've yeah. been informed or they believe there is hateful material in their possession. Hate now is not defined. It's a big general blob, could be anything. A single policeman can trigger a search, and that search, it is written, can go into your house and seize any or all equipment. They've also written in that if there's a PIN code or encryption, it is a crime in this legislation to not provide the pin whenever asked. That's incredible. Yeah. It's astonishing, but it's been delayed. Now, it's not entirely clear. They're trying to claim, oh, well, it would not have gone to the next step until after the summer anyway. But I think the pushback was big enough that it has changed things. And that's an important message for people. Get enough people together to make enough noise. And Elon Musk, in fairness, chipped in on Irish hate speech laws. And so did others in America, Schellenberger. So a lot of noise was made. And guess what? They put it on the back burner for the moment. So For the moment, though, you just said for the moment. Um, to to be so brazen, though, to think you could you could do that. Or do you, it's like, you know, when you're trying to do a deal, you start off with the most ridiculous negotiating position and then sort of work backwards until you get a deal. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they went for gold and you know what? It could have worked. In fact, yeah. you could say it should have worked, Paul, because the main check is the Doyle or our parliament with our primary politicians. And it went through the Doyle with pretty much 100% approval. They didn't even know or care what was in it. And then there's the Senate, the senators, and that's where it got more public and there was an eruption and then it, it kind of got questioned. But it could have easily gone through the Senate. And you know what? If it wasn't for the groups that primarily were awakened during COVID madness that made a lot of noise and Twitter, etc., it could have easily gone through the Senate and then it gets signed by the president and no one would even know. That's the point. But they got rumbled because enough people made noise and simply shone a light on it. So often all we need is enough noise to get the media to have to look at something and then allow the conversation, 
you know, to happen. And then these things stop because they're insane. But but they could have got it through. You know, they could have, if, if we hadn't picked up on it, it, it could have just gone through and it would be law very quickly. Um, it's interesting what you say. So we could view, because the COVID thing, you know, looked like tyranny and people are still very grumpy. But it actually might have been, even though it's, you know, it wasn't pleasant, it might have been like a, a, a bad move for them because it's actually woken enough people up and, and made enough people suspicious of anything that comes out of their mouths that now the the rest of the sort of ratcheting up of other things is more problematic. So that, that could be seen as a bad move in the end, even though it did a lot of damage for them anyway. It could, but it's like it's kind of like a necessary bad move. And I mean, a, a kind of an analogy pops in my head. It's a macabre one. But if you take Pearl Harbor, well, in the West, generally, you could say that that worked out because it brought America into the war. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. God knows. And if you looked at it from Japan or the Axis uh, power side, well, that was a, a bad move for Japan because it ended up with their ultimate destruction. An overreach. But, yeah. Yeah, but but for the people doing it, it was a necessary risk. And I think COVID was absolutely necessary. It was a long time being planned, probably from the SARS-1 era, 2006 Bush Jr., right? That corrupt uh, animal had started pulling together a bunch of nutters and drafting papers on social distancing, which is a new thing. The wow. papers come from 2006, on social distancing and a future pandemic, we may need to lock down, right? They're writing all this in 2006. Where did that come from? Well, we know where it came from. So they were building up to a future lockstep scenario as fully documented in 2010, a Rockefeller Foundation document around future, future scenarios. They knew they'd need something big to get the show on the road they probably knew it had to happen a bit sooner than intended because Trump was absolutely, you know, destroying globalism, <laughs> a yeah. one-man destruction of globalism. Bad timing so for that, happening. yeah. Yeah, we have all this happening. But then the problem is, of course, there's a danger when you do a bit of a Pearl Harbor that a lot of people might wake up. Uh, but they were willing to accept that because there was no other choice. If you don't go ahead with something like COVID, which remember COVID opened the door to a whole load of laws, ID, digital ID, passports, a huge grasp of power. So they, all of that was, was hugely positive for them. But yeah, the downside is people begin to turn around and say, what the hell's going on? So this is the race to the past. This is exactly where we are now. Okay, and um, it, it reminds me of, you know, the scene on Get Smart, you know, when he's walking through those doors and he's, he's trying to get through those doors before they close. <laughs> we're, we're kind of in that situation. Do you think we're going to make it? I, I think we are, but but I'd never say it's going to be fine, guys. We just stand up. And you saw that cartoon. I really love it, where there's a chess table and all these guys, you know, with moustaches and uh, cigars and they're playing a Monopoly game with top hats, you know, the top elite rich. Yeah. And underneath the table or the board, the Monopoly board, there's all these ordinary people bent over, <laughs> you know, looking at their phones. And the tagline is to, to end the game for them, you just need to stand up. And yeah, that's right. true. Easy. Well, 
Yeah. Yeah. Whether whether people do stand up in enough numbers and begin to talk and speak about this madness, uh, it's yet to be seen. I think there's green shoots, like you say, a lot of people are waking up. A lot of people, even on LinkedIn, the professional platform, are talking about all of these things. And uh, the censorship, they can't censor as aggressively now because of the legal cases in the U.S., Big tech have pulled back. Also, they can't claim it's for our safety or saving granny. Censorship now is a little more difficult. So this it's all to play for, I think. And, and the outcome will depend on how many people wake up. I mean, literally, that is it. Just a final few comments from you. I'm just wondering what you're thinking about uh, the Bidens at the moment, because um, you, you could make an argument for them not, well, Joe particularly, not lasting too much longer in the job it's looking like the walls are closing in on them and if they go and that could happen soon possibly then what happens because the united states are, is at the core of this in the end aren't they they are pivotal yeah as a power center in the world still even though we're going to see the decline of the hegemony of the dollar and, and all of this and the rise of the bricks but but through this period yes they are crucial and they were instrumental, obviously, in Ukraine and, and everything else. And Biden, with the climate nonsense, he's created this enormous inflationary bomb, which will help with CBDCs by pumping money into green nonsense. So, so they are huge and they do set the tone. I, I heard from a very good commentator recently that what he suspects might happen is Biden will get too embarrassing and they can do a switch. I think they did it with Ford. They can switch presidents and vice presidents. And I think he described the mechanism as bring in Newsom, you know, the California yeah. crazy. Yeah, he's waiting in the wings. Yeah. Yeah. You could have the Kamala lady, but you can't have her there for long because she is absolutely, as we say, pissed on her chips over the last year or two on the media. It's just a running joke. Yeah. But they could move her into the position and bring in Newsom as a vice. And I think then they have a mechanism where they could switch him to be the president. That was the gist of the conversation. So this kind of stuff or something like it may happen. But, but you know, you're moving deck chairs in the Titanic. Uh, in the end, yeah. yeah. All right, it's been great catching up again, uh, Ivor. Thank you for that, and um, we'll talk in about another three weeks or so, and um, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the weather reporting and the, um, the climate catastrophizing has proceeded in that time. So we'll catch up on that and any of the other issues that are out there that you're thinking about. So thanks for joining us once again. All the best. Great stuff, Paul. Thank you. Bye now. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.